I'm Captain Christopher German. This is Current Affairs Times, and we're talking with Eric Balkin today of the Glen, uh, Glen Canyon Institute. And we're going to be talking about this issue. Uh, as everybody, uh, is, if you have, have been stuck under a rock recently and just got out, you realize this lake is low, uh, is very low. And quite frankly, the water of the Western hemisphere of this United States is in peril. We didn't get enough snow this winter. Uh, the water's dropping. And it just seems in a lot of ways that the responses that is taking place to this uh, dropping water is just not making a lot of sense. And that's what Eric's today going to talk to us about today. Eric, tell us a little bit about the Glen Canyon Institute and tell us uh, what your policies are and what your guys are thinking with, uh, with respect to uh, Glen Canyon. Um, yeah, so Glen Canyon Institute is a nonprofit organization committed to the restoration of a free flowing Colorado River through Glen Canyon and Grand Canyon. And, uh, you know, given the current hydrology of the Colorado River Basin, really, the, we're, we're making an argument that um, instead of having two reservoirs, Lake Powell and Lake Mead, that are, you know, a one third and one quarter full, respectively, uh, we're, we're arguing that we should actually consolidate that water downstream in Lake Mead and use Glen Canyon as a backup reservoir should the hydrology ever get wetter. Um, that would allow Glen Canyon an opportunity to restore itself. Uh, much of Glen Canyon is already restoring itself and it's, it's pretty miraculous to witness. Well, um, not to be too controversial and, and certainly uh, not, to, uh, not to pile on with, with, with all the other things that are being said about this, this lake, but um, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, what your feelings are on why you think we should put all the water in Lake Mead? Um, well, I think what's really the question we have to ask ourselves right now is what, what is the future of Glen Canyon going to be like, right? Uh, a lot of, you know, like the Bureau of Reclamation, for example, often makes the point that Glen Canyon Dam has served the purpose of storing water for the past 50 years. And it, they're not wrong about that, right? It has served that purpose. It has stored water, excess water for the past 50 years. But we know that this era of excess water is coming to an end if it's not already over. Um, there's not enough water in the system right now to keep even Lake Mead full. If you were to drain Powell down to Deadpool today, uh, Mead would only be 65% full. So... Um, there's just not enough water in the system to keep both of these reservoirs full. And it's likely that Glen Canyon Dam, uh, Lake Powell behind Glen Canyon Dam is going to be hovering around, you know, between minimum power pool and dead pool anyways. And at that point, it's not generating electricity. It's not providing the recreation experience uh, that the reservoir is known for. And it jeopardizes the ability to pass water downstream, which creates problems for the Grand Canyon. And at some point will jeopardize the ability of upper basin states to deliver their water uh, required under the Colorado River Compact. So at a certain point, if we just continue on this trajectory, the, the uh, intended purposes of the dam all fall apart anyways. So I'm arguing that we need to start rethinking this dam now before it just happens uh, by accident, as it were. Well, and that's that seems to be kind of the response is, is it's just uh, reactionary rather than proactionary. And a lot of the response that's happened to this, uh, what's this was slow, so cataclysmic event, incredibly slow cataclysmic event. Um, 
talk to you a little bit about this 500,000 uh, gallons of, uh, or actually acre feet of water that's going to be released from Flaming Gorge into Lake Powell. And then the decision, uh, which all this is not, as of today, this has not been approved by the Department of Interior. But um, the proposal is, is that it is going to reduce the waters going into Flaming, into uh, Lake Mead by slowing them down out of Lake Powell when that 500,000 gallon uh, acre feet gets put in. What do you guys think about that idea? Yeah, so the the proposal that you're talking about is that Flaming Gorge will release an extra 500,000 acre feet. Uh, an, another 480,000 acre feet will be held back in Lake Powell as a, you know, that would normally be sent downstream. So together, that's about a million acre feet of water um, that's going to be propping up Lake Powell. Even with those very drastic efforts, uh, it's still projected that Lake Powell is going to be within spitting distance of minimum power pool in less than a year. So, look, those are temporary efforts. I don't think anybody's going to say otherwise, you know, even from water agencies. They all know it's temporary and it's just buying them time. And instead of, you know, piecemeal reactionary efforts to prop up this reservoir, we really need to start looking at what it will take to phase it out entirely. Um, just going back to what I mentioned before, you really start running into some big problems once we go below minimum power pool. Um, and it, and the, we need to have a plan in place to deal with that. You can't just put more water in there because there is no more water. Lake uh, Flaming Gorge is, is tiny in comparison to Lake Powell. It's like one sixth of the size. So uh, these are stopgap measures. They don't address the big problem. And we need to start really taking a hard look at the big issue of what the future of this this canyon is going to be. Well, and as we talked about the documentary I'm trying to put together, The Wrecking of Glen Canyon, that's exactly what we're going to try to take on as a subject matter, is the idea of what happens next. What is the plan for the future? Um, what do you guys think of, is the idea, what would be the most beneficial way to handle the idea that, you know, there's a couple million people aren't going to get water and aren't going to get energy from Lake Powell? How do we handle that? Well, right now, not that many people get water from Lake Powell. So that's not why the reservoir is there, right? It's uh, one of the larger sources of renewable energy on the river. So I don't want to give the impression that that's not a big deal for that to go offline. But the impact to ratepayers will be relatively minimal. We did a study that was pub, uh, released in 2015 that looked at this very question. What happens if Glen Canyon Dam goes offline? And what the study found was that the average impact to residential ratepayers will be about eight cents per month. And so that was in 2015. It's been seven years. The grid is a little bit different. Um, you know, more renewable energy has come online. That that might have changed a bit, but the overall picture shows that, you know, the grid can handle it if the dam stops generating hydropower. And most importantly, it's probably going to stop generating hydropower anyway. So really, there should be a plan in place um, for how to, you know, make a soft landing, as it were, for those customers who do have a higher portion of their portfolio come from Glen Canyon Hydropower. Well, and forgive me for characterizing it, but it seems to me that a lot of the response that's been made from the Bureau of Reclamation up to this point regarding the diminishing capacity of water, the diminishing availability of water, is kind of just kicking the can down the road. They're not really hitting this thing, grabbing this bull by the, by the horns. Um, would you, what do you, would you characterize their behavior as, as such? Am I, am I, am I getting it wrong? I, you know, 
to, to be fair to the folks at the Bureau, what we're facing is totally unprecedented, right? I mean, even, even the climate scientists that have been looking at this for years, this is still on the, you know, some of the more dire ends of what was predicted, but it was predicted or, you know, projected that we could be in this scenario. Like is even back in 2008, when the climate studies really started showing an impact on these reservoirs, we knew that something like this would happen. So um, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to throw anyone under the bus on this because I think all of the stakeholders in the Colorado River Basin um, are, are faced with some really big challenges, right? But it's time to be proactive about this. And this dam needs to be managed dynamically and adaptively. And we have to adapt to this new reality. And it's a really hard job for the Bureau. It's a really hard job for all of the uh, water leaders in the basin states. And so, um, yeah, I mean, this is a very tall order. And I, you know, I don't think the, the Bureau was ever really designed to deal with changes that are happening this fast. So it's a big challenge and, and we need to see, I think, more, a more dynamic and adaptive approach from the Bureau. Well, then, you know, and this just kind of speaks to a larger issue, though. I mean, we have issues in the southern states with flooding. We have issues uh, with respect to hurricane and, and, and uh, you know, increases in the eastern seaboard. And then, you know, we have the, the drought out here out west with the diminishing water resources and whatnot. And speaking from a leader's perspective on this thing, uh, what could this bode for other issues and for, for really taking the issue of climate change by the horns and really doing something responsible to make some positive impacts on it now? Yeah, I mean, I think like everywhere that's facing climate risks, we have to adapt to the new reality, right? We have to be smarter with water, for one thing, in the Colorado River Basin. I live in Salt Lake City. We're dealing with our own local drought issues and have been for years. And you know, I, there's still a bunch of uh, unnecessary turf uh, around this whole city. You know, I see neighbors and schools and parks and churches watering their lawns in the heat of day in the middle of summer. And, uh, you know, that can't that can't continue. And, you know, our relationship with agriculture has to change, too. Most of the water goes towards agriculture. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this is a huge challenge for all of us. And and the one silver lining, I guess, with Glen Canyon is that so much of this canyon is coming back to life and, uh, you know, giving us an opportunity to see what was considered a lost national park to, to come back. So, um, you know, I think it's all about taking a, an honest stock of the challenges and the opportunities and making the most of them, right? We're, we got to optimize, but um, yeah, we need to, we need to adapt to this new reality and um, it's going to take some effort from everyone. And I think that's where we're leaving is, is there's, we need responsibility from individuals. We need responsibility from government officials and we need responsibility from a, a community and we need to all come together and make this problem work together. It, it, would that sum it up fairly well? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's a good way to, to put it. Wonderful. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, this is the Current Affair Times. I'm Captain Christopher German coming to you from Bullfrog, Utah. We're talking about the diminishing waters of Lake Powell and the response of the federal government to release 500,000 gallons of water from Flaming Gorge into Lake Powell while diminishing the flow into uh, Lake Mead. It's a big story and we're going to be covering this for you all the time. 